Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to Cinema at Home, where all this week we have been debuting a brand new format that we think will help give you a better listening experience. I'm Herbie Hillsden and as always I'm joined by my co-host Ranjit Nanra. We are also joined by Craig Fields and David Long. Ranjit, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Herbie, how are you? I am feeling tip top a <laughs> Craig, how about you? Yeah, I'm really good. I'm really eager to delve into this week's one and uh, and 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 discuss these films for for this special art house episode. David, you good, mate? I am. I went for a lovely walk this morning. The sun is shining and the weather looks good next week. Thirty degrees here in the United Kingdom. Get your sun cream out. It's going to be a hot one. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, cool. So. In this series, we're going to be doing a deep dive into more art house and maybe lesser known streaming services such as Mubi, BFI Player and Curzon Home Cinema, just to name a few. Then, to round off this week's episodes, we'll be looking at the latest DVD, Blu-ray or digital rental releases. Our first review will be Pain and Glory, which is available on Mubi. Craig, do you want to just give us a quick explanation as to what Mubi actually is? Yeah, so Mubi is obviously a, a fairly lesser-known streaming service. It's very curated. Uh, Mubi like to give you about 30 films that you can watch in rotation via um, like a few different apps. Uh, so you can get it on Apple TV, you can get it on your iPhone, you can get it on iPad. But um, the best way of, of viewing it, strangely enough, is on your laptop or computer because you can access the full library of everything that they have. You can search for it on there. But via like the Apple TV, you'll see the latest recommended featured films for the last 30 days and it's the last 30 films. Um, Pain and Glory came out on Friday, the uh, 19th of June. There we go. Uh, and we watched <laughs> it on that day as it came out um, on Mubi via different methods of doing it but the interesting thing is it is available through amazon prime as well you can get that as a channel uh, so you can subscribe to it that way um but what i like about it is there's a lot of different foreign films in there there's a lot of independent films um and another one that we're going to be discussing um after pain and glory is under the silver lake uh which is a very very interesting film and uh, i'm sure you're going to enjoy listening to us talk about that one um, but I suppose without further ado, then, shall we go in and uh, talk about Pain and Glory? Sure, let's do fly it. Off? Yes. Okay, I'll kick off the review for Pain and Glory. A film director played by Antonio Banderas reflects on the choices he's made in life as the past and present come crashing down around him. So, um, I'll, I'll start the review and I'll just say that I honestly think that this film is absolutely incredible. Um, it was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film at the last Oscars and lost to Parasite, um, which I can understand why. But um, also, yeah, this film is just, it's absolutely incredible. It's a, 
It's a somewhat uh, autobiographical film about the director Pedro Almodovar, um, and it um, Antonio Banderas is playing a sort of fictionalized version of him. Um, it's, it's just a really good story about how you know about life choices and about regret and um, the choices that we make in life and where that leads to. Um, and I just I love the way that I love how vi- love the visuals in this film. There's a sequence where um, Antonio Banderas's character is describing his physical um, uh, his physical illness that he has, um, which is causing him a, a large amount of pain throughout his whole body. And I just love the way that whole sequence is told um, through these really really striking. Um, incredible visuals and, and as I was researching director, the director I found out that that's quite a common theme in his film so it's really making me want to go back and look into more of his films um, just for that that really unique way of telling a story um, but yeah I think it's maybe one of maybe if not Antonio Banderas's best performance um, that I've ever seen him do um, it's just it's, it's intimate it's personal um, it really it just really grabs you from the get go, I think. Um, and it's just, it's just such a beautiful story. Um, Craig, do you want to give us your thoughts as well? Yeah. I, for a movie of this length, I was really enjoying the pace of it. It's slow to begin with. It does pick up pace a little bit, but it remains a, a, a sort of one sort of pace kind of film throughout. And it was very engaging and it was a sort of a masterful performance that you're just entrapped with the entire time and it's just so emotive and engaging in that way and you know the the emotions just sort of pop out of the screen because you can just feel everything that the director's feeling here playing played through Antonio Banderas and wow what performance he gave here was really stunning um and it's it's kind of weird because you're mixing film with art almost and okay maybe not film with art but maybe reality with art in a way um and it's where these these two things sort of blend into one and come across as almost reality in a way and i found it just a really really beautiful movie and one that i will definitely want to watch again um just to sort of feel those emotions again because it really hits you in the heart doesn't it it really yeah. sort of I don't know. It's just so tender, I guess, is the word I'm looking for, and 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 beautiful. Yeah, Herbie, what did you think? Well, I didn't actually get round to watching this, which was really disappointing. So I remember watching, um, seeing when this came out last year, and there was a lot talked about it and a lot said about it, and it just sounded really interesting. Um, I mean, everyone knows who Antonio Banderas is. We've seen him in all sorts of stuff. And he is probably one of the most recognisable um, Spanish actors around. I don't know if he's Spanish or Mexican, actually. I'm not sure I think either. He's Spanish, yeah. yeah. Yes, he not was sure. born in Spain. I've just checked the Wikipedia page. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it does sound really interesting, like you say, about the sort of semi-autobiographical nature. I think they're always interesting to look at because you can sort of see a bit, you can get a lot more... In a way, you can get a lot more insight into the people who made the film when it's semi-autobiographical, semi-autobiographical because they can make the changes that they want to. They can um, cater their story how they want to do it, which I think is always interesting. Because if you wanted to watch something that was about his life, you'd watch a documentary about him or read his autobiography. But seeing something like this, you can see the changes, the differences, 
the way that life flows in the way that the director sees it, which I think is really interesting from what you've said at the very yeah, least. Absolutely. Yeah. I also just sort of think that the way that you see the director grow, I suppose, over time. So from all his other films coming to this, which happens to be like, not his last film, but well, I'm sure it, hopefully it won't be, but he is like 70 years old, I believe. Um, but it is a film that you see how he's gone from where he started to this point and how you grow and constantly learn as a director how film can portray things. Um, and it's like, this is my final hurrah, if you know what I mean. This is this is me telling my story now in a way that I want it to be seen. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting point of view because it's it's just like a love letter, like a love letter to his life almost, which kind of sounds a bit arrogant but it's really not in the way yeah. that he's done it um i think it's like a love letter to his life as well as a love letter to like cinema and what yeah. it means to him and what it means to people and yeah sort of trying to inspire people um but yeah sorry craig yeah carry on. no yeah. no I, I thank you for saying that because you sort of took the words out of my mouth that i couldn't quite put out there i'm interested to see or hear how uh how david found this movie david yeah, so, I mean, this is just a really, really quality piece of filmmaking, and that's proven uh, in, a, on a, in a number of different ways. I mean, firstly, look at the Rotten Tomato scores. It gets 97% from the critics, 91% from the audience. But as Ranjit said, it was nominated at the Oscars for Best International Feature Film. Unfortunately, it bumped into Parasite, which not only won Best International Feature Film, but also won Best Picture. I can tell you I'm quite interested in the Oscars. Most other years, Pain and Glory probably would have picked up the Oscar for Best International Feature Film. Um, it got one other Oscar nomination as well, a Best Performance by an actor in a leading role for Antonio Banderas, and well, well deserved. I... I really, really enjoyed this film. I'll be honest, I found the first 20 to 25 minutes not difficult, but quite slow. It was definitely a slow burn, and I had to adjust to it being in a foreign language and with the subtitles. But once I got into the film, I really, really enjoyed it. And it was one of those films, actually, where I was fiddling with my mouse on my computer to see how long was left, because I didn't want it to end. I was getting really engrossed with these characters, and that's... Um, testament to the director's ability to develop these characters and i've often used the analogy of an onion but antonio banderas's character is an onion there's just so many layers to him his physical health his mental health um his relationship with uh people both past and present and this is a look at the past and the present it's also a look at love loss pain hope glory anguish um, it's it's a really intriguing film and it's very, very beautiful. It's almost Shakespearean at times with these quite long monologues and these voiceovers. Um, and there's something beautiful about the Spanish language as well. I think it enhances the viewing experience. Um, sometimes people say, oh, I don't like films in a foreign language, but I actually mm. love that this is in Spanish. There's something very beautiful about that language and it just it's just a really interesting piece of, of, of filmmaking. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with that. That was a really elegant yeah. way of putting it, David. Mm, really yeah, that was really nice. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, I also want to give a shout out to I, I, the gentleman who plays Alberto Crespo. Um, he, his performance was, was yeah. really powerful as well. Um, I'm, 
I can't quite pronounce his name. I think it's Azazia Extendia. Yeah. Um, I apologise if I've got that wrong. Um, he gives a really powerful performance as well. Um, and I tell you what was really interesting. This is also a film that looks at the power of addiction. Um, and there were some really powerful words and uh, short sort of speeches about addiction. And being a recovering addict myself, I could really relate to... Um, I think at one point he described it as a prison, which is difficult to escape from, and and it and it never leaves you. And obviously, mm. my 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 struggle has been with alcohol, but it is something that it is true. You know, once you're an addict, you are always an addict, and it was just so powerful and and very um, personal to me, um, and just an analysis of of addiction and and where it can take you and the highs and the lows of it. Uh, just a really fantastic film. Yeah, it might be worth adding that this is uh, this isn't an eighteen, I believe. So you are going to be going into this, um, uh, you know, not you know watching this with your children if you have children that no, you can watch films yet, with. Yeah. Um, this is a, a very uh, adult themed film. Uh, if we hadn't already given that away to you guys, yeah. Um, but it, with its runtime at one hundred and twelve minutes, I'd uh, you know sit down at seven o'clock at night. Kids have gone to bed or whatever. Um, this is the one to put on. Have some olives, glass of wine, <laughs> and really get maybe a meat it. platter as well. <laughs> a meat there platter, was actually a meat board. platter in the film, yeah. wasn't there? <laughs> um, a selection of Spanish meats, um, but yeah, it was it was a, a brilliant selection of Spanish meats. It was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you were going to say that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, really good film. So I suppose what's left is just saying whether or not it's worth watching. Ranjit. Yeah, definitely. It's worth watching. It's a film that's going to take your, you need your full attention on it, not only because it's in Spanish, but just just to appreciate everything you're seeing on screen. Such a nuance and subtle performance by uh, Ben Darris and just, just, you know, just soak it all in. It's absolutely brilliant. I'm going to say it's worth it. Dave? Yeah, absolutely 100% worth it. It's 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 a wonderful piece of filmmaking, one that I will definitely revisit. Um the direction is brilliant, the cinematography is wonderful, but the performances are powerhouse performances from the whole cast, uh, and that includes um Penelope Cruz as well, I believe, yeah. uh, who also gives a very powerful performance as um as Banderas's uh, mother from when he was younger. So, uh yeah, 100% worth it. Check it out on Mubi. I, I agree with all of you. Um, I think if our reviews weren't testament to that, yes, it's worth it. Um, if you haven't got Mubi, which you may not have, um, we will put a uh, free trial code in the description so that you guys can can uh, get that. If you have Amazon Prime as well, you can get a free trial for seven days on that. It is seven ninety nine thereafter, I believe, um, through Amazon Prime. But well worth it, I think, if you are more into some art house movies, foreign language movies. Uh, this is a really great curated service that um, puts some of the best foreign language films and independent films forward uh, over a constant rotation of weeks and days. Um, so, yeah, um, we're going to do another one, aren't we? Kind of not really like a, a new release film, but it is something that I was really keen to discuss. Which I know, is, I can tell, yeah. <laughs> um, Under the Silver Lake, uh, which is directed by David 
Robert Mitchell. Um, his previous film was It Follows, and this is brought to us from the studio A24, uh, very much so known for giving uh, lesser-known filmmakers a chance of putting some very uh, different kind of content out there. Um, A24, mostly known for films such as Hereditary um, and the subsequent film after Hereditary, which was... who? What was it again? It was... Midsummer. Uh, Midsummer. That's the Midsummer, one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you just look at it from that point of view for a minute, strange but really great films. This was one that when I first saw it was coming out onto Mubi, um, I really wanted to get my teeth into it and watch it. And after watching it, I it was really hard to review. Um, and it's the synopsis that I've got here really doesn't give too much away. Um, but it is a film that I wanted Ranj and Herbie and David to watch to really get a point of view of what this film is about and whether they liked it and whether they think there was more to it than meets the eye. Um, so this film sees Sam, who's played by Andrew Garfield, is uh, a disenchanted 33-year-old who discovers a mysterious woman named Sarah uh, frolicking in his apartment swimming pool. Uh, when she vanishes, Sam embarks on a surreal quest across Los Angeles to decode the secret behind her disappearance, leading him into the murkiest depths of mystery, scandal and conspiracy in the city of angels. And I feel like that really does not scratch the surface as to what this <laughs> film is about. Um, but I'd like to kick off with David and actually hear what you thought of this film to begin with. Well, what I will say about this film is it is undoubtedly, and, and this is my opinion, I haven't spoken to anyone, I don't know what Craig thinks of it, I don't know what Rand thinks of it, I don't know what Herb thinks of it. But for me, it's a Marmite film. Um, you're either going to absolutely love this film or you're going to absolutely hate it. Uh, and I think that's proven in the Rotten Tomato scores, actually. 58% from the uh, critics and 55% from the audience. Right slap bang in the middle. I imagine this has got loads of five-star reviews and loads of one-star reviews. And it's just been aggregated right in the middle at 50%. Um, and I have a very, very strong opinion on this film. Um, I absolutely loved it. Um, I was just captivated within the first five minutes. Mm. Um, it, it's bizarre immediately. It's it, again, this is not a film for for children or for families. This is an A team, and it's a very strong A team. There's you know graphic violence, there's sex, there's 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 all there's drug use, there's all sorts going on in here. But immediately, within the first sort of five, ten minutes, I was captivated. I didn't know Andrew Garfield was in it. I went into the film blind. Um, I will say I thought he gave a, a compelling performance. But the film doesn't make much sense. And I think that's kind of the point. And in many ways, that it's slightly anticlimactic. But I forgive it because it takes you on this bizarre, weird and wonderful journey. The, the visuals are very... Uh, hallucinogenic i you know i wondered what on earth i'd had for dinner was there some magic mushrooms in that sandwich that i had you know what what is going on here the the cinematography is very striking the performances are very over the top and it's just a very it reminded me a lot of um hereditary actually um and there were a couple of moments in this film that really spooked me like chilled me to my core um, genuinely scared me and there were other bits that made me laugh and there were other bits that made me smile um, and I know what Craig means by it's a difficult review because 
it's it's impossible to to say what this film is about really because it's about so much but what i will say is that i absolutely loved it i really did yeah so this is exactly where why i struggled now on the on when i reviewed this back in the summer last year i believe it was um I I I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it, but I I couldn't see a point to it. I couldn't see what where the direction was going with it. Was there a point to it? But scattered throughout this film are references to old age Hollywood um like stereotypes, I suppose, uh you know, looking at women from a point of view that should it be looked at that way or was he just using that as a hollywood trope i don't know it was really quite bizarre i i genuinely really enjoy this film and as you say it is a hundred percent a marmite film people are gonna absolutely love it and have it like a cult following or absolutely hate it so with that in mind then herbie what did you think of this well, it's 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 a sort of film where it's quite hard to put into words and to quantify what I liked and didn't like about it. Because I think overall, I really enjoyed it. It was unlike pretty much anything I'd ever seen. Like even the sort of unusual films out there, which sort of have that kind of meandering narrative style. They're all completely different, and this one is no exception. And a lot of a film I was sitting there thinking, why is this happening? What's going on? But I think that's, that's the point. And that can be a lot, and that can be frustrating for a lot of people, which is understandable because the film, certainly on the first viewing, I'll need to watch it again several times, I think. Yeah. But on, on the first viewing, you sit there at the end and you're sort of thinking, well, why? What, what did any of that sort of lead to? What's it build up to? But I think there's so much in each shot. Because going back and thinking about specific scenes, I pick up on stuff just thinking about them, not even watching them again. I think, oh, that sort of connects up there, and that makes sense. And there's a lot of hidden imagery, mm. and there's a lot of hidden messages, and there are a lot of sim- there's a lot of symbolism in the film from the ostensible, like um, the homeless people, like the, the codes they use to say whether an area is safe or, or where they can steal or where they can sleep and stuff like that. And that's that's used as a motif throughout the film to help Sam identify what's going to happen next, what can happen next, where to go, to the far less obvious stuff. I mean, so 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 much so that I'm not even sure where it is. But you you know it's there from watching. You know there's more than meets the eye. Like I was, like all the sort of characters. You're sort of sitting there thinking, why is this person here? Why are they doing that? But that's part of the intrigue and part of the mystery because you're really taken along for a ride with Sam. Sam doesn't know what's going on and neither do you. Mm. And even by the end, you're sort of left wondering, well, what was going on? And I think that's the point because you're not supposed to know. It's a sort of thing where any interpretation is a valid interpretation. Mm. I mean, that applies to pretty much all art. No no art is something where you can say that that means absolutely one thing because art is in the eye of the beholder. Anything can mean anything to anyone. And this film really, really personifies that to the absolute fullest. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ranji, then, what did you think? So, do you remember when I said after I watched um, Artemis Fowl, I just sat there with the credits and I was like, what the hell did I just watch? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt <laughs> watching the Under the Silver Lake, but for very different reasons. Not because it was bad, but it's just because it's one of those films where you just sit there like, what the hell did I just watch? Because it's so weird. Um, it's just so... It's Yeah, you're right. Herbie, you're right. 
every shot is just packed with so much um so many codes so many subliminal messages so many like things in the distance in the foreground that you you know it, it takes multiple viewings to to catch it all um but yeah it's it's the film where you sort of think that what was the point of that but i think that's the point of it for you to think what was the point of it because it sort of represents his life he's just uh he's not doing anything with his life um we don't know what his job is it's never mentioned um he's just a slacker he's just you know just just slacking around all day um and he just finds you know this missing girl is his sort of the purpose of his life that he's just sort of like thrust upon him himself um yeah. to sort of maybe just sort of you know even just sort of to kill the time for um but yeah it's as i as i looked into the film a bit more um i went to reddit and herbie knows how much i love reddit but <laughs> i went on to reddit and there's a subreddit for this film and people are still to this day like trying to decode everything in the film yeah um and it was really interesting to see how how much people have actually sort of taken from this film um but I think is sorry, go on. go on. I was, I was going to say that's the kind of purpose of this film, isn't yeah. it? It, yeah. it, it assumes that media has more than one purpose than than being a force of entertainment for for you. So it plants so much in it. Um, even the fact of just simply saying there has to be more to media. There are codes in media. There is codes in music. There's codes in TV. There's this, that, and the other, which yeah. use, is, is a form of communication. Well, is it? I mean, but obviously David Robert Mitchell here has made it so with Under the Silver Lake, and it gives people more to look at. People want to watch it over and over again to try and decode it. And that's why I kind of feel like it's a cult-following kind of film, because people will, for years on end, look for it more hidden messages that are in this film and in a way that's great but i still can't like see the true purpose of this film did it have a message in it at the end of it for us to be like well that's what i'm going to take away with it i don't think it does completely but then again it it really could do i i i have no idea it's it's bizarre it really is yeah and it's also a film that you can't you can't put it into any genre as well. It just, there's so many different um, elements of so many different genres. You've got horror, you've got mystery, uh, noir, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's so, it can be so surreal sometimes and so almost psychedelic. It's just, it's so strange. Um, And I think it is trying to say a lot. Um, I think it is trying to say a lot about, uh, Craig, you mentioned old Hollywood and even modern Hollywood with, um, I think the casting of Andrew Garfield is absolutely intentional because um, there's so many Spider-Man references as well. Um, even just the way that he's dressed, like he's wearing a lot of red and blues throughout the whole film. Yeah. Um, at one point, he's wearing a red, uh, a red um, shirt, and it's got the black lining, and it almost looks like his webbing on on the Spider-Man suit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, everything is intentional. It's 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 incredible. It's just so it's just so weird. Um, it's saying a lot about, um, you know, how women are treated in Hollywood and how they're sort of just passed around and, you know, everything that we've learned so far recently with all the Epstein stuff and, you know, the Kevin Spacey stuff and all that sort of thing. It's just all, it is, there is messages in here telling us, you know, how people are treated there and, um, um, yeah, and it's just, yeah, you need to watch it. You need to give it 
you need to give it all your attention and it's, it needs multiple viewings. Um, it really does. I, I don't know if anyone else has anything to say. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just going to say the amazing thing about this film is I think if you were to put this in front of, say, 10 film study students and get them all to write an essay about this film and what does it mean, I think you would have 10 very different essays. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's just testament to the kind of movie this is. And it's so open to interpretation as well. If you were to tell me that it was uh, the message was A or B or C, I would say, well, I, I, I can't disagree with you because it's so open to interpretation. And that's what I love about it. And I almost want to go back and watch it again. And I feel, in some ways, I feel a little bit like Andrew Garfield's character, Sam. I'm almost convinced that there must be some sort of hidden code or message within this film. Do I need to get my decoding book out and start writing down letters and numbers and doing algorithms and working out what the hell it all means? Yeah. Or, or do you need to get your box of cereal out with a treasure map on it? That <laughs> yeah, leads exactly. You to the guy of, like, ridiculous, but brilliant at the same time. So ludicrous, it shouldn't work, but somehow it does. And I love films... This is a perfect example of a film that could be terrible. It could be truly awful because it's so off-field. But it isn't, and that's testament to good direction and good acting and yeah. a good script um, because it could be very bad, but it is not bad. It's, it's well worth watching. I really do think it is worth a watch. Yeah. I, I think it's worth a watch as well, which is why I wanted to put it forward. But I really was curious because I, I couldn't come to the com full con like full conclusion whether or not this was a good film or not. Yeah. But all four of you are basic. All four of you, all three of you, are saying that this is an entertaining film that you've somewhat enjoyed and taken a lot from it in some way. Yeah. Um, and you don't think it's a bad film necessarily, which is good, I think. Um, I suppose we should just say whether it's worth it or not. So, Ranji, worth it? Yeah, definitely worth it. Herbie? Yeah, I agree. Certainly worth it. And obviously, David, you said it was, but say it again. <laughs> oh, yes. Definitely worth it. Under the Silver Lake. Go and watch it. <laughs> Now let's dive into the latest DVDs, Blu-rays and digital rental releases. Ranji, let's start with your pick. So my pick is Queen and Slim, uh, which came out on DVD and Blu-ray on the 8th of June, I believe. Um, this stars Daniel Kaluuya and Jodie Turner-Smith. Um, just quickly, has anybody seen it? No. No? Okay, so yeah, it was a very underseen uh, film that came out last year. Um, and I have to just say that this film, it, it is so underrated. It deserves to be seen by so many more people. Um, I think it should have been nominated for um, a directing debut, production design debut, because the, the actual look and style of this film is so gorgeous. Um, it's directed by Melina Matsukas, and it was um, a directorial, directorial debut. Um it has an amazing soundtrack, such a such a killer soundtrack. Um, it highlights so many issues uh, which are going on um, today. Um, just a quick synopsis: um, Daniel Kaluuya and Jodie Turner Smith have to go on the run um, after they are stopped by a policeman, um, um, and the altercation uh, uh, leads to um, 
um, a death and uh, yeah, they have to go on the run and it becomes this huge thing throughout America. Um, they become sort of like a Bonnie and Clyde figure throughout America. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just, it highlights so many issues about, um, you know, police brutality and uh, black people in America today. Um, and it's, yeah, it's so relevant to what's happening right now. And if you haven't seen it, try and watch it, try and get the DVD or try and watch it somewhere. Um, David, what did you want to bring? Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to say, uh, Ranji, I, I, Queen and Slim is not a film that I've seen, but I've heard great things about that. And on, on the back of that review, it's certainly one that I want to check out. Uh, I want to bring a film um, called Just Mercy. Um, it's just come out on DVD, Blu-ray, digital download, um, etc. Um, and I'll start with the Rotten Tomato scores. It gets a great 83% from the critics, but an, a sensational, almost perfect 99% from the audience. And I think that's testament to what a good film this is. And it's a film that audiences will love. Um, what's it about? Well, world renowned civil rights defense attorney, Brian Stevenson works to free a wrongly condemned death row prisoner. Um, this film stars Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx and Brie Larson. Um, I reviewed this on the main show and it was actually a film that very early um, or at the end of 2000 and, oh, blimey, is 18 or 19? I'm getting confused. About six months before this film came out, I thought this was going to be a genuine contender at the Oscars. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't, uh, and I'm still disappointed by that because I think this potentially could have been a Best Picture nomination. Uh, it certainly could have picked up a few acting nominations for the likes of Jamie Foxx, Michael B. Jordan, Aubrey Larson. Um so the film's basically about a person who is wrongly convicted of, of murder and is put on death row. And it's such a poignant film for what is happening in the world at the moment with the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Um, because what we have here is basically there is a murder and a black man is charged with murder simply because he is black. There is no other reason for it. And the film makes it very, very clear that he is on death row simply because of his skin colour and there are many other men as well that are either innocent or wrongly convicted or have mitigation for their crimes uh, and find themselves facing the ultimate uh, uh, price which is that you know losing their life it's a powerful film it's a moving film it has and I know I love to use this word but it has sensational acting uh, particularly from Michael B Jordan and Jamie Foxx um, it's gripping and it nearly had me in tears. I mean, the last time I cried was, was three, four years ago at my grandpa's funeral. And since then, nothing has seemed really worthy of, of, of me crying. But this, this, this film got me really, really close. There are some heart-wrenchingly, terribly moving scenes in this film. Think of Green Mile, that kind of stuff where you've got people on death row and they're giving their final words and, and many of them are innocent. Um, it's particularly with what's going on in the world at the moment and the, the need for change and the need for change very, very soon. Uh, I would really encourage people to watch Just Mercy. I think it's a fantastic movie. I'm not sure if anyone else has seen it. 
Um, I haven't seen it, and I remember you bringing it to the main show as a review. I wasn't able to catch it in the cinema, and you did, and you did give it a really great review. And I'm so glad you brought this uh, to my attention again uh, to let me know that it's available to stream now in terms of like renting and, and purchasing, um, because I will be watching this because I have been excited to actually finally yeah. get to see it. Um, I don't know if uh, Range and Herb have seen it, though. No, I haven't seen it, but I, I'm definitely checking it out now. No, same as Ranjit. I um, remember when it came out and there was a lot of talk about it. And yeah, it seems like no better time than the present to be watching it. Mm. Yeah. Herbie, you've got um, an interesting one next. Yes, I have. So um, The Lighthouse came out on DVD, Blu-ray and for home release on the 8th of June, so a couple of weeks ago. And... It's a film a bit like Under the Silver Lake, where it has to be seen to be believed. You're not going to sit down. <laughs> you're, not, you're not just going to tell someone to sit down and watch it. You, you really need to actually watch it, pay attention and take it all in. Because like Under the Silver Lake, every single shot, every single scene is so full of symbolism and references to like Greek mythology, to all sorts of mythology, to paintings, to artwork, to everything. And it's such an interesting film to watch. It's shot in black and white, and and the ratio aspect ratio is nearly square, which is quite unusual to see, especially around now. And it's it's got two absolutely fantastic powerhouse performances from Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. And Robert Pattinson, this is a sort of project he's been doing for the last few years where he looks at smaller, independent, interesting, unusual films and absolutely knocks it out of the water. I can't even name all the films he's done since Twilight because he's done so many that are not quite as out there as this, but really get to showcase his talent mm. because he's an incredible actor. He really is, and so yeah. is Willem Dafoe. And they work with each other so well on screen and every single moment you're questioning reality, you're questioning what's going on, you're questioning what's real and what's not. And by the end, you're still questioning and you're still trying to work it out. And I think it's a little, it's a, it's a lot more obvious in what's going on than Under the Silver Lake. Sorry to keep on referencing that, but they, they, weirdly, they feel like quite similar films and they, they do cause you to question reality yeah. and what's going on. And, and just you're sitting there thinking, well, why? Well, how? Well, what? Mm. It is an A24 film um, as well, which is, it feels like this, this A24 studio, they do like to have films that, challenge your viewing um sort of what you kind of view i guess and they do put forward some of the more quirky strange stuff and this is no less any different in that respect to to under the silver lake so it is worth referencing there especially since we've just talked about it um but this was a great film when I saw it in the cinema, Herbie. It's an absolutely brilliant, brilliant film. Robert Patterson, though, when you mentioned him uh, with his performance and choosing some of the other sort of more stranger ones, uh, High Life, that is actually available on movie as well at the minute, um, which is a very strange, beautiful sci-fi film as well. Um, and I just thought I'd throw that out there as a, a second Robert Patterson film then. Just awesome film if you haven't seen that. Yeah, I'm, honestly... Uh, I've seen a few films that he's been in since um, Twilight finished and pretty much all of them have been worth watching. And obviously he's going to be in Tenet coming out soon and he's going to be Batman in Matt Reeves' The Batman, which I'm really interested to see because he's he's not the sort of actor that I've seen be Batman before. Christian Bale is similar in, in terms of talent, in terms of his repertoire, but a completely different actor. So it'll be really interesting to see what he does with the role. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah, this is a film that you guys have been raving about for ages and I still haven't had a chance to, to watch, but I'm definitely... <laughs> yeah, definitely buckle yourself down, man. Yeah, when I can't you do, wait. It's a hell of a journey. Yeah, especially since Herbie said it's like under the Silver Lake, so that, that makes me even more excited to watch it. And that brings us to the end of the first week, I suppose, of the brand new Cinema at Home format. We really appreciate you listening and we hope you enjoyed listening as well. As always, we'd like you to get in contact with us. And the best ways of doing this are via Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or drop us an email at mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. We would love to hear your feedback on the new format of the show. If you've enjoyed today's show, why not leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? Or if you've enjoyed the content we've been putting out and want to help us continue to grow, join us on Patreon. Uh, As we've said before, lockdown has slowed some of the progress we were making, but thanks to our really wonderful Patreon supporters, we've been able to keep on going. So thank you guys so, so much. Yes, a big thank you to our Patreon supporters and make sure you keep an eye out for the next episodes of Cinema at Home as well as Topical Talk where the topic this time will be family films so keep your eyes and ears pierced for that episode. As always, stay safe everyone and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Cheerio. Charity bye. (laughs) Oh dear.